Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. We've reached the end of another glorious series on this show. A Decades of Horror Return series. Part um, two, yeah. Part two, I guess, yes. We, we did do a Decades of Horror series quite a long while ago. Wanted to bring it back for September in the lead up to October and when It's a Wonderful Podcast becomes entirely spooky and horror focused, as yeah. it always <laughs> does. Um, we wanted to ease everybody and ourselves into that uh, mindset again yes. with uh, four horror movies, one from the 70s, one the 80s, one the 90s, and this today from the 2000s to finish us off. Just from the 2000s, though. <laughs> Only just. Yeah. <laughs> You're scraping the 2000s because this yeah. movie is from 2000 exactly. And we're talking What Lies Beneath yeah. with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert Zemeckis, directed a ghost movie. And Janine, I think a little bit less horror, pure horror, than the other three we've covered. As silly as frogs might have been, it's very much <laughs> structured a horror movie. The stepfather, probably the most similar to this yeah, movie slightly, in tone. Yeah. In However, aspects. I think the stepfather definitely darker and more yeah. twisted and kind of gorier um, in parts than, uh, than this movie. What Lies Beneath focuses heavily on kind of thriller melodrama and. That's where it, a lot of it's kind of, yes, okay, scares come from, but it's where a lot of its darkness comes from. It's where a lot of its tension comes from. And it does le it does keep you, you know, pretty on edge throughout the entire thing. You oh, yeah. Yes. Nervous definitely. feeling. Yes. Entirely, I mean, I think. I think the fact that it ends up being a ghost story is what kind of puts it in yeah. the horror genre but yeah i definitely agree it leans more into the drama thriller aspects um i was listening to a podcast called the cherry picker with the horror youtuber zach cherry and they covered this film recently on their podcast and uh, his co-host ed he kind of described this movie as the that kind of sub-genre uh, um, of women's pictures, you know, very dramatic. Do like the women's <laughs> picture, yes. Yes, very dramatic woman kind of in fear and panic, descent into madness. Think of something like Gaslight or Spiral Staircase. Um, and so this very much fitting into that kind of classic. There's a lot of classic kind of vibes happening here. Lots of Hitchcockian things happening here. So definitely leaning into that kind of line that Hitchcock really was on of kind of thriller you know you know psycho was seen as a horror movie but it also very much leans into kind of the melodrama and thriller aspects so i think this movie definitely um you know leans kind of a little bit more one way but still can be co constituted as a horror film so yeah and you, you couldn't you, you can definitely call it you know oh put it in oh. the category of, of women's, <laughs> oh, women's pictures. <laughs> Which is is a, a fascinating concept when you even think about it, because it's a very old Hollywood thing anyway. Yeah. Primarily comes from a marketing standpoint to get women to go and watch movies more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, usually they're kind of about women having to deal pretty heavily with some sort of horrific man in their life and yeah. ultimately overcoming it um through and we're we're certain, following them the, we're following yeah. them they are really our protagonist and the to be center. fair Michelle Pfeiffer is really the center of this movie yeah. um she's the one we're following the most and Harrison Ford is there acting as you know 
her playoff and her kind of well we're never too sure with Harrison Ford in this one it's a very interesting role for Harrison yeah, Ford his his one um, and only horror film to this day I, I was so. quite I was quite intrigued to see what he would bring to such a genre this genre but yeah in watching the movie I became more intrigued as to exactly where he was going to go with it and exactly kind of what he was doing. He's very far away from charismatic hero Harrison yeah. Ford in this movie. And I, I like that about him. It, it yeah. showed me more range of Harrison Ford. And yeah. of course he has range. We always know that he has range, but sometimes you need that pure evidence to realize it fully for yourself yeah. and i think that what lies beneath probably gave me that but yeah you can call it a woman's picture because it, it does ultimately show the strength of will of one woman when nobody else believes her at all and yeah she thinks she's going a little bit insane. She thinks she's seeing things. Of course, we know this is a ghost movie. Yeah. Um, but we get a lot of misleads that also kind of add to, you know, her thinking she's going mad because we get a yeah, an awful lot different um, plot points that pull her in different directions and maybe make her think she's overthinking things or, you know, seeing things or, you know, misinterpreting things. So I love that they kind of throw us off here and there um, and throw the character off here and there. Yeah. And look, you mentioned Gaslight as the perfect example yeah. of this kind of thing. It's something that perhaps other characters know has happened and her finding out that it's happened and everybody yeah. telling her no that didn't no, happen but... yeah. Um, yeah and ultimately overcoming that and uh defeating the villain of the piece while yeah perhaps for most of the movie seeming like she was going a little bit crazy yeah it's very similar it's very, very similar in that way. Janine, before we get into our main discussion on what lies beneath, we do have to say a big thank you to all our It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons because we can't do what we do without their yeah. generous support. We love them all we dearly. Do. If you would like to join them, there are there is a link in the description of this episode. There's also a donation link if you want to support us that way. Um, Patreon.com. Slash it's a wonderful one. Um, if you are feeling particularly generous, let's start by saying a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Freel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's big brother, Justin 90s Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve, Movie Fenobi. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to Delicia Butler. Thank you to the great Ken Napsok. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes. Applause for the patrons and applause for the movie, of course. Janine, you mention some older style, perhaps Hitchcockian vibes. Yes. To what I mean, lies beneath. Yes. Elaborate. Um, <laughs> well, Zemeckis has been quoted as saying that he tried to make this film in the style that Hitchcock would have made it had he had access to kind of the filmmaking technology of today. So there's a lot of kind of visual effects in here, but I think they're used to great effect. I don't think they're used just to kind of, you know, out of laziness or, um, you know, out to avoid using practical effects. I think they're used to just really create some interesting shots. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, he kind of, 
was already in that mindset to have it have that style of a Hitchcock film, but um, kind of how Hitchcock would have done it had he had access to kind of modern technology and filmmaking. And you definitely see that and you hear it as well with um, um, the score for sure. There, there's definitely some, you know, the, the, the score near the end of the movie when we're getting kind of into our big climactic action kind of chase that's happening. Uh, there's definitely some huge uh, psycho score inspiration happening from like yes. Danny Elfman did the score here. So uh yeah. I I was digging, you know, we do a classic films podcast. So I love all of the kind of attention to detail and, and nods to kind of classic filmmaking and and those kinds of shots. So I, I was I'm always so into that when I watch this movie that, you know, these kind of homages to to great Yeah, films. it's 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 a it's it is a great homage when you hear such kind of noticeable elements in a in a score that isn't isn't necessarily isn't the same score isn't something just completely taking what um you know what psycho did and i don't know discoing it up like <laughs> reanimator, reanimator. <laughs> yeah. um which i just love obviously or just kind of hyping it all up and giving it an electronic kind of funk to it. Yes, and not trying to hide it at all. Definitely still just not trying to hide it at all. That this is we were purposely trying to. (laughs) Yes, we're being we're being a a touch more subtle in our homages in uh, in what lies beneath, and I I don't mind that because ultimately it is quite a a subtly told movie, a movie that takes its time justifiably so to really build a sense of of mystery a sense of confusion a sense of intrigue it's you know there's elements you you mentioned there's a as an element of of obviously that we've we've spoke about there's an element of the psycho score within yeah. the score you can add more hitchcock influence into this there's a rear window aspect from yeah, kind of Pfeiffer, spying kind on the of... neighbors they have neighbors who are constantly fighting and so that kind of plays into one of the plot points of her thinking the neighbor killed his wife because they're constantly arguing she's kind of run into the wife being in distress um which is the plot of rear window yeah, yeah. i think my neighbors killed his wife yeah which is also the plot of this movie yeah there's that and also other a, a misdirection as well so yeah absolutely but there's also the very kind of heavy male manipulative situation going on that you don't yeah. quite fully realize until it's too late yeah um that something like vertigo has although vertigo twists itself on its head and Ultimately, Jimmy Stewart ends up being the one who looks like the biggest fool, even though he tries so hard to be on top in the movie. Yeah. Um, but there's those there's those aspects in what lies beneath as well, and this is what really interested me about what Harrison Ford was doing in this movie because he seems, of course, so typically pleasant and charming yes. and handsome and, and well, and I mean. Loving. As- as a first-time viewer, were you on to him at any point? I know you're somebody who no. doesn't, really, doesn't really read ahead, but I'm sure subconsciously when you're watching something, you know, you could kind of get a sense for where it's going to go. So, well, no, but all you told me about this movie was that it was a ghost movie, so I don't yeah. look into anything else. Okay. So I think well, okay, I'm just saying as you're watching movie. it, as you're watching it, as you're seeing his interactions, as you're seeing how he's reacting to you know her seeing things and all of that were you on to him at any point when you really weren't supposed to be on to him not to the extent that he ended up being ultimately the villain of the movie which is is what he ends up being yeah um perhaps to the point where i thought no there's no you know no, there's no ghosts in this house because years before he may have seen ghosts and wants to block them out of his memory. And perhaps the ghost aspect is a larger issue at play. And ultimately, the ghost aspect 
isn't the largest issue in this movie because the largest issue in this movie is the relationship breakdown of, yeah. of Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. The ghosts come secondary. They just kind of happen to be, actually exist. Yeah. You know, there's an, it's almost not treated as seriously as it perhaps should be, I feel, in this movie. Like, okay, there's an actual haunting going on here. Yes, okay, it ends up being explained why there's this haunting. But nobody, after we've realised why the haunting is taking place, nobody spends any time going, wow, there's a haunting! Like, there's an actual haunting? <laughs> like, surely this should be a bigger issue. And instead, the bigger issue is, okay, justifiably so, you've lied harrison yeah she she kind of has a suppressed memory um you know she is already kind of in this weird state of you know being empty nested her daughter has gone off to college um so now it's just her and norman uh harrison ford's character so she's already kind of in a vulnerable state right okay psycho again we're having him yes yes um and I love that we get a lot of kind of good visual storytelling. You know, we see her, you know, there's a reason for her to be nostalgic. There are a few things in here that are a little clunky that are, are visual elements to kind of tell us, oh, hey, remember this for later. But this scene when we're kind of seeing her empty nest, you know, she's alone. She's yeah. You know, kind of reminiscing in her daughter's room she goes to the basement she's looking through an old photo album we see this crashed car that ultimately you know we see her kind of look back at a cello in its case so we're getting these little glimmers about her and then when she sees this picture of a car that's been crashed she you know gets very upset and runs out you know to, to there's another outside. rear window aspect as well um I've been in a car crash and I'm stalking my neighbors. It's even, it's even <laughs> yes, doubly it more, so it's ridiculous. Y yes. So ultimately, you know, we know that the car crash was upsetting to her, but we don't really know much more than that. It isn't until they kind of go to this party that they were, you know, it was the same people's party from the year prior. And the hostess kind of tells her, oh, you know, how are you doing? I remember last year you got kind of upset and, you know, broke a glass. And then it starts coming back to her. And she realizes something, you know, is going on. And somebody was there staring at her at the party. And it plays into kind of all of the things that she's been seeing. Because mostly, you know, it's a ghost that is basically trying to make her aware trying to jog her memory and trying to yeah. get some revenge ultimately um yeah so... but not it's not revenge on her no it's just it, it is it is it's revenge it's, uh, on norman you um, almost feel sorry for the ghost because the ghost is trying without being able to speak it's just trying to go michelle Pfeiffer, just remember notice me yes remember Please think. I know you're repressing things. I know you're beating yes. things to the back of your mind. But look, I'm here in your bathtub. Look, I'm here. <laughs> yes. Notice me. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, uh, yes. But the ghost can't say anything actual because we're not dealing with um, <laughs> that form of ghost. Yes. Well, uh, this would be much that... easier. The movie would be like. 15 minutes long yes if we were so i like this form. build you know we we're not really seeing too many images of this person or this entity like it's just she'll go reach for the doorknob and the door comes open on its own um you know the computer coming on and things like your pictures falling over so it starts very kind of subtly um and then kind of builds and grows so i feel like you know obviously Madison, who ends up being our ghost, and you know, the story yes. kind of leads to a student who had an affair with Norman, and ultimately she threatened to tell the dean uh if he like didn't stay with her. And so he ultimately kills her and and drowns Harrison her in the lake. <laughs> yes. To cover up to cover up this affair. Um who would have who would have thought 
something like this. I mean, you, you don't you don't like this from Harrison Ford, do you? It, yeah. It's so it's so un Harrison Ford like, but he plays it really well. Like where he does darkness Be- come from? There's a great build to him as well, um, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, that there's uh the ghost obviously isn't trying to hurt Michelle Pfeiffer. She's just trying to get her attention. So I think that's why they have her kind of start very subtly with these little things here and there that will hopefully yeah. jog her memory. And then when she's really not getting there, then these these scares and kind of you know showings um, make them make themselves more apparent to to kind of really wake her up. And because uh, this is a whole big memory that she kind of just suppressed that she kind of just you know let herself forget because i think you know the car accident probably caused her some you know memory issues that really blocked some things for her as well which um you know we do have a friend who i think her name's Joni or jody yes. um who ends up kind of telling her um you know after the car accident it seemed like it was purposeful um, so they kind of imply that she saw Madison at that party the year prior and Madison was just kind of staring at her and that's what made her drop the glass. And then she kind of came to the realization that Norman cheated because now she also is remembering that she walked in the door and saw Norman with her. Um, and, and so it's implied that she kind of crashed her car purposefully after just kind of the stress of seeing what Norman did. Um, so, you know, hitting that moment, she's kind of blanked everything out. Lucky for Norman, um, and so, very lucky. So the go- the know... goal of this ghost is definitely to kind of jog her memory and help and have her help kind of uh, get justice <laughs> for her. Yes, and and to obviously call out Norman for the yeah. creep that he is. And again, we don't like seeing Harrison Ford in such a mold. No, of but he's really good. They set him up so well as this doting husband, you know, stepfather, you know, him stepping in to kind of, you know, fill this painful void for her at a really harsh time. She was a single mother, a cellist. I believe her husband prior had died. So him yeah. kind of coming in was like this kind of shining light savior to her. Yeah, because um, he, he was very well-to-do, well-off. Yeah, um, you know, a scientist, brilliant, well-known kind of scientist, you know, guy. Um, and, you know, she was a single mother. And so she gave up even playing her, you know, playing cello to you know, be the perfect wife for him and remodel this home that belonged to his father and all of this. So she kind of gave up a lot of herself to be with him. So, you know, she's in a very vulnerable state. Um, So I like that they set up Norman as, um, you know, this kind of perfect guy, this protector to her, um, you know, somebody who she felt was worth kind of giving all that stuff up for. Um, so they set him up really well so that when that, that shift does happen, it's it's really interesting. In a strange way, you can kind of liken it to our central relationship from last week's movie in power play protectiveness yeah. that Lestat had over Louis in mm-hmm. Interview with the Vampire. Now, okay, it's a bit more forced in that yeah. movie because... Lestat just goes, I'm having you, thank you, you're mine. Yes. Now I have all this power over you and I can't ever have you go away from me. But there's a, there's obviously the same kind kind of power dynamic a little bit there going on in this movie. There really, really is. It's much more subtle. It's much less, you know, kind of this needs to be the way it needs to be. But it's just clearly something that Norman in this movie um, feels comfortable in. He he likes the relationship they have because he knows ultimately that he is this 
saviour figure, or that he at least believes himself to be. Well, to the point where, yeah, saviour figure for her because he he went okay when we get to more confrontational scenes and confrontational discussions, certain explosive comments are made. Well, yeah, things are kind of thrown in people's faces and oh, yeah. the actual intentions are fully kind of they, they, they fully come to light showing really that Norman just likes almost lording a subtle power it's not in an entirely evil way. He's not like a, a just a maniacal evil character or anything no. like that. He's just a little bit of a manipulator. And yes, because to the point where you know when uh, she's the, her seeing ghosts and and scary things in the house and sounds and her starting to believe. Because at first she thinks the ghost is the neighbor woman who she thinks the neighbor killed and things like that. Yes. Um, and, she and there's starts confrontation to, there and that gets Yes. And she starts to kind of have this dissent. He immediately feels comfortable enough and in a, a, a power position enough to kind of throw that in her face and say, are you just doing this to... Uh, to to mess with me, to ruin me, you know, you know, you know, to get back at me for working so much. So like he, then he, you know, he feels powerful enough that he can guilt trip her and make her feel bad yeah. and kind of shrink her down, you know, to the position which, that he wants her in. Which is when you start to, you know, see the uh, the underside of Harrison Ford in this movie. Yeah, you know, where where he becomes a little bit, you know. Your face turns up at him and you kind of go, mm, what's he doing there? I don't like this, Harrison. Yeah, that's kind of the first moment. Yeah, that's kind of the first moment where you're really kind of feeling weird about him. The fact that he would just immediately jump to, you're just trying to do this to get back at me. You know, you're saying you're seeing these things to get back at me kind of thing. Because he he cares so, he obviously cares so deeply about his job, but, you know doesn't want to be ruined in his career now he obviously came very close to being ruined in his career due to the um affair he had with the student which of course is not something people should be doing yeah dawson's (laughs) creek um (laughs) just just a subtle little uh, dig in there (laughs) to the beginning of dawson's creek um leave town it's the best way to go about it you know yeah those situations never end well um so yes okay Uh, yes okay this is not a situation of underage or anything like that i don't because it's university i believe yeah um but then his story changes several times like when when she first kind of starts remembering things and, and and um kind of first I think it's the incident where she she realizes that the neighbor is alive. It wasn't her. The the initials because the initials M E F keep popping up to her. Um, yes. And so when she realizes it's not the neighbor, Mary Fuhr, she, you know, ends up kind of looking at some things, and she ends up behind the picture that keeps falling down. There's a news article about a missing girl. She looks up this missing girl. She sees that she went to his school all of these things and she shows the picture like the missing ad for her and norman says he doesn't even know who she is because she's like well she went to you know your your school when you were lecturing all this he says he doesn't know her then when um she actually goes and speaks to madison's mother she gets up a lock of madison's hair and you know she ends up kind of opening this door where madison ultimately possesses her when she's holding this piece of hair because she her and jody her friend do this seance um as kind of a joke when she first kind of starts seeing these things and she buys her this book of of witchcraft and so she actually uses the hair and kind of does like a bit of a kind of spell that ultimately ends up having madison you know inhabit her body so she's starting to act very strange around norman um 
and there's some really interesting kind of switch up shots as well yes one, well on one or two occasions she becomes madison yeah so so from what i remember when this movie was coming out i remember this was a very popular scene in the trailer you know i think she's okay. starting to suspect something he's like who your wife and her face changes that's like a huge thing i i remember being in a lot of the trailers um so Which yeah a shame it was in the trailer really because it is a very impactful yes moment, I think, in yeah. The movie. yeah so definitely um a good build of of the the kind of scary things that happen and and her um realizing what's going on and norman constantly kind of switching up the story because first it's like i don't know her and then it's um you know yes i did have an affair i tried to break it off um i'm and, so sorry I'm and so then she sorry. and then she left town i'm so sorry i'm so sorry let's work this out then it turns into Yes, she ended up in our house and she was threatening to kill herself and I didn't know what to do. And <laughs> and and I came home and found her body. She killed herself here. So I just, you know, what what would what good would it have done, you know, to I took sit, tell the police? Her. Yeah. So I just got rid of her body, but she was already dead when I found her. So the story kind of builds and builds and builds ultimately to that climax, which is really just well done with um, him kind of saying this final lie of, you know, she killed herself in our house. And why would I, you know, you know, what good would have it done to, to call the police? So I just got rid of the body. Um, and then, so she tells him, call that, call the police and, and tell them what you did. So he pretends to call the police. That reveal is so well done. So he gets on the phone. He calls the police. Supposedly, he's telling him, "Hi, you know, I want to report a murder. You know, uh, um, uh, something that happened, a crime. Da 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 da. You know, please. Here's the address. Yes, it's here. Da da da. Hangs up the phone. He says he's gonna go upstairs and take a shower. So then she goes and just has this feeling." She looks at the phone and sees he just called like information. He didn't call 911. And then he's up behind her. And that's when we kind of get this nice horror finale that really kind of oh, it is. into that aspect. Yeah. It's it, it's a great little it's almost a jump scare, isn't it? And it, yeah, it, I mean, we get a few of those a couple times when she's like watching the neighbors, and then Norman kind of just appears behind her. Yeah. Um so there, there's that. there is actually thinking about it now i think this is a movie that perhaps speaks and warrants rewatches which is a great thing yeah because like this there's things here you, and there that you you pick up on that maybe you didn't before um you even would absolutely yeah, notice yeah. many many little subtle cues that you wouldn't the first time because you you don't know and i obviously don't know didn't know exactly what I was uh, I was to expect going into this movie. So perhaps rewatches, you you would definitely notice certain things. And now, especially that we're now watching Norman, it, yeah, yeah. Now that we're speaking about it, now these three or four times you get kind of I'm behind you jump scares that start off cutesy and start off completely. Innocuous, kind of, yeah. Yeah, innocuous, completely nothing. Um, it's just kind of, oh, what are you doing behind? Okay, well, let's just carry on with laughing at each other and then go to bed and have it off and try and beat the neighbours in sexual games, which is something that happens towards the beginning of this Yeah, movie. really Crazy. showing them, uh, you know, very sexy, functioning, really cute dynamics. We see them having uh, dinner with friends and having really good conversation. And um, yeah, you really enjoy them as a couple. You really like them together. You think they fit really well. You think Norman's this great husband. They have this great life. Um, so you're wholly on board with her, you know, believing that anything supernatural is happening is something to do nothing with Norman and with like yeah. this situation with the neighbors. So they set them up so great as a couple in the beginning that, you know, we're wholly focused on that first misdirection. That's kind of the whole first half of the film um, before, you know, 
hauntings kind of happen beyond her realizing that the wife is alive. Um, so yeah, I think the setup of them as a couple really, you know, really sets the groundwork for kind of throwing us off later on in, in the film. So definitely, you know, like you said, welcome to some rewatches. You can really kind of look at different things and see the clues and hints um, uh, of, you know, what was really going on during the times you were focused on, on the neighbors. Yeah. And, you know, those Norman based jump scares when he just kind of shows up behind her, obviously build to uh, the final one that's actually startling the one where you're yes and so she was talking at this point (laughs) at this point in the movie you are actually a little bit afraid of norman yes not quite sure fully what he's capable of yeah and and you don't you no longer trust him even a little bit there's a real good uh steady gradual uh, decline in your trust of Norman throughout the movie. It never jumps off a cliff and it never flatlines. It's just you begin the movie going, this is a good guy, and then it gets worse progressively, really gradually, really steadily, until right at the end you go, I don't like him at all. He's a, he, get away from him. Get away yeah. from him. He's a killer. And it's obvious at this point now that he's more concerned with appearances. Of course he is. He's a fancy man. He goes to fancy parties. Yes. So, like, if, you know, he would have been more than happy to live out his life with Michelle Pfeiffer and be happy with her. But because now she's on to him and, you know, it ruins his whole plans and his whole career, you know, and would not look good on him. He's perfectly, you know, he, he... has no qualms or or thinks twice about taking her out because she could just ruin everything for him. Um, so that shift that's of scary. being so doting and loving, and then he's just kind of cold and yeah, and methodical cool. and kind of just casual about what he's doing. Um, so you know there is that kind of clunky setup of her. You know after she kind of hears some things in the house, she goes to his lab, and she's walking by some scientists, and she sees them having this pretty you know. Uh, you know, of obviously focused on conversation of some chloroform that they've developed. They're testing on a rat or whatever, so that you know, it, you know, you it paralyzes you completely. You can you can't feel any pain, but you can sense everything that's going on, and you can't move. So this is what it doesn't Norman... actually happen in real life. Chloroform. <laughs> I wonder when no. movies will will realize this. Is you can't actually just not that I've tried. Put a, put a towel of chloroform over somebody's mouth and just like knock them out and, and drag instantly them away. knock them out. It, it doesn't work like that. That's yeah. not how it works. It would take quite a long while. Like. Way longer than you think. I would think so to, to inhale it like that and and pass out. But I mean, this is uh, an invention of his lab, so we're not oh, working yes, in like real chloroform. Super chloroform. Um, and, and so she's in this state where she can't move, but she's so aware. And we get a really incredible shot where they, I think, you know, they have her on the floor and they pan underneath the floor and we're looking up at her paralyzed on the floor, kind of face down. So obviously they shot this through like a glass floor. But we pan yeah. from like above and then go kind of underneath the floor and we're looking up at her, you know, pass out on the floor, you know, with her eyes open, can't move. And he's giving this monologue of everything he, you know, had to do. And then he, you know, picks her up, takes her to the bathtub. He's kind of talking about, you know, she, after she had found it, he had the affair and she left to go stay at a friend's. She gets a call that he collapsed in the bathtub and was almost electrocuted so she rushes back home and you know it's definitely for him to kind of garner some sympathy from her um to kind of get her get her back on his side that oh my gosh you know the thought of losing him you know i can overlook this affair because you know oh i almost lost him so he kind of manipulates her so yeah so then we hear you know um 
he was faking it. So he was like, yeah, it sucked having to like lay here naked, pretending to be unconscious. And he's just saying it I to her. I was like, freezing. <laughs> yes, it was freezing cold. And so he puts her in this tub and he just has it running so that it'll fill up and drown her and she can't move because she's paralyzed. And he talks about, you know, that it's going, he talks about what is happening to her in the vein of a suicide. So he's already like setting it up to make it look like she kind of went crazy and killed herself. And just the sickening aspect of him saying, you know, your suicide will bring me and Caitlin, her daughter closer together. Yeah. We don't yeah like and so that. that's gotta be terrifying. This killer is now going to be the one figure in my daughter's life. Like terrifying. So Yes, I, I just the the fact that you know he gets to this very cold place uh, from this loving husband that we saw in the beginning uh, is is a, is a really great performance from Harrison Ford. So it it really is, and a, he's a just great... you know waxing poetic and talking her at the side of the bathtub while he's like drowning her, just kind of you know outlining his whole kind of plan. <laughs> It is it is unexpected from Harrison Ford and and very very good from him. You yeah. you wish he would have done more, and I'm not sure he I'm not sure he would go back into this now because he's obviously he's he's in his eighties now. He will only want to do things that he really wants to do. Yeah, yeah. as you know, with him being uh, the age he is now which is obviously why we ended up with indiana jones 5 because um, yeah. he just really wanted to he do loves it. that character yeah um i don't think we will get another dark movie horror performance from harrison from ford. harrison ford he was great like his kind of casual stoicism in this moment i think really works like you know he's giving this you know big kind of villain monologue but in his style it's very subtle and it doesn't seem like this kind of cheesy maniacal kind of reveal no it's 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 cold it's Mm -hmm. calculated and it's all about like you said it's all about kind of keeping up appearances and the the idea of keeping up appearances for such for for people as he is in positions of importance in society you know keeping up appearances can be treated as comedic there's plenty of sitcoms in fact there's a sitcom called keeping up appearances but obviously there's so many silly comedies that are ultimately about keeping up appearances. Yet that exact same concept can be put onto so many horror movies as well. Yeah. Because you're trying to cover up stuff. You're trying to, yeah. you know, kind of manipulate situations. Um, That's exactly what we're dealing with in, in What Lies Beneath. And What Lies Beneath isn't just the, the ghost of Madison under the bathtub water. What lies beneath is all the secrets and horribleness and, and the memories that are re- yeah. remembered from uh, from Michelle Pfeiffer. And look, Michelle Pfeiffer's great in this yes. movie as well. I mean, I, she's in... so full of, 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 of anxiety, so full of kind of paranoia, full of stress, but able to bring this real just able to bring an awful lot of sympathy towards her. Like, you don't ever really think that, you know, oh, come on, Michelle Pfeiffer, I wish you would just kind of get your head together. You understand always why she's thinking what she's thinking and why her head is in that place. I don't think you're ever on... You're ever... You're never not on her side and i think that's structurally and and story-wise really well done because as you might become not on her side once you get a little bit into the movie yeah you are at this point beginning to a little bit question norman so you're like hmm 
if we were still feeling the same about Norman that we did at the very beginning of the movie, maybe we would be saying, what's going on with Michelle Pfeiffer here? Why is she being weird? But instead we're saying, Norman's getting Michelle more Pfeiffer? suspicious. You know. Instead we're saying, why is Michelle Pfeiffer seeing these things? And why is Norman not listening to her? Yeah. So it yeah. goes it goes underneath this kind of rather shift. than Yeah, and I think yeah. that plays into the pacing. You talked about her performance. She actually revealed when she was on Drew Barrymore's show that she channeled Drew Barrymore's performance from Scream as inspiration for kind of her fear and um, that she had to play into okay. of, throughout the film, particularly in the finale. So she's definitely channeling some Casey Becker for this this kind of finale aspect and, and the fear yeah. aspects. Um, All the 10-minute so. influence that you can get from Casey Becker. Yes, which is, I mean, it's great. I mean, that whole Of course it's great. Of course it so is. So well done. So definitely, I like a lot there to, to pull from. Um, I also just liked another scream nod um, in listening to that Zach Cherry podcast. He he noticed that the kitchen in the movie was very similarly structured, like the kitchen in Scream. So um, Only maybe, certain people yeah. recognize that, you know. Yes. And, and one of them isn't um, me, so unfortunately. When he said that before my rewatch, I was really looking for that. I'm like, you know, kind of does. So, so a couple scream nods happening in this movie. So, you know, I love that. Um, the film actually written by uh, Phil Coulson himself, Clark Gregg. Yeah, uh, that's he, weird, isn't it? Yes, I think he's, he's one of like two film writing, screenwriting credits that he has. So always kind of an interesting fun fact that he he co-wrote this film. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's two writing credits, one for yeah. Sarah Kernersham yeah, as well, yeah. I assume that's how you say her name but clark Gregg is credited with screenplay yeah and uh sarah kernishan's credited story. with story so yeah it, it is interesting that you know clark Gregg. you don't think about clark Gregg in that sense do you at all no no from the behind um, aspect um but yes i mean i think really well paced well structured um you, it really has you looking at the wrong things so that when you know other things happen it, it keeps that surprise and again lends itself really well to rewatchability because now you're going to go back and not focus on mary fuhr and her husband and the neighbors you're going to be focusing on all of the things that ghost madison was trying to tell her in those moments yeah. that he was focused on the neighbor um because there's such a long period of the movie really where you know, you are convinced that that James Remar's a killer because he looks creepy and he's, he's, and he's acting, acting weird kind of and creepy. Yeah, doing. when she goes over there to, you know, she doesn't see the wife for days. Like she, after she sees the picture from the car accident, she and she goes outside. She's upset, and then she starts hearing like the neighbor crying, the neighbor woman crying, the Mary Fear lady. So she goes to the fence, and we get kind of a jump scare with her eyeball kind of peeking through the peephole, and she's yeah. just like crying and all upset, and and kind of shouting about how she can't. Oh, her, he's back, he's home. I have to go, and kind of distress and panic. And then immediately after that, we don't see the wife. Um, so she, you know, it has her kind of thinking something's going on. She goes to talk to the husband. She, she sees him like putting like a sheet in the back of his car. Um, and when she goes to talk to him and ask him about his wife and where she's at, he's really kind of not giving her any answers and being kind of creepy. So they really do build up this whole kind of storyline to throw you off. And so you're kind of like, is this the ghost and what's going on? And, you know, same initials. And so, yeah, I, I love that they put so much focus on kind of this other plot point um, to kind of distract us from really focusing on Norman and focusing on that whole dynamic because they give us so much of them being so good and and, you know, this really kind of sexy and devoted and, you know, likable couple. Like I liked that we got that, you know, the dinner scene, which could seem very kind of unnecessary, but it helps kind of characterize them and you know, see them interacting with this couple and this couple really it likes engaging with them and talking to them. So they're a couple that people enjoy spending time with. And so, so much to set them up so well. 
um, that, you know, when things kind of go crazy, it's, it's a really nice surprise. So just really well-structured, really nice build of the terror, all the little things that happen kind of growing and growing more and more intense is so well done and peppered throughout really well. So it's what makes the, uh, it's what makes the twist as effective as it is. It's a, it's a very, very effective twist and uh miranda otto is 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 mary fuhr as well by the way yeah wife that was supposedly killed and i was a little bit upset she wasn't in the movie more because i like miranda otto and yeah, she barely do. does anything you, that you actually see does she so unfortunately yeah <laughs> so and i i always like seeing her kind of show up and it's just like yeah look it's a your wing Yes, she is no man. Um, but she certainly uh, isn't. No. Yes. So then we do get some more great shots as well. Um, you know, kind of going back to older films, classic film inspiration. I know he's not the only person to do this, but you know, De Palma very well known for that kind of double focus kind of shot where you're seeing something in the foreground and the background. Oh yeah. Focus. So we do get a shot like that when she's running out of the house after, because you know, Norman has her in the bathtub. You think he's kind of one. He sees her wearing this necklace. It's the same necklace that belonged to Madison. Um, when he goes to look at the necklace, um, you know, he kind of picks up her body and when her body falls back, it looks like this corpse of Madison and it freaks him out startles him he falls back hits his head on the sink so now he's like unconscious and it's a very much now we're in a kill bill moment where you know she's kind of having to will her muscles to move so that she doesn't and it's a very tense scene where the water's filling up she can't move she's paralyzed we're hoping she's 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 getting a little bit of motion in her hand she's trying to reach for the the little kind of hand attachment and trying to pull it because the the arm of it is kind of touching the 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 um the faucet knobs to kind of turn off the water while it's filling up so it's this whole kind of tense scene of the water filling up and her drowning um ultimately she's able to kind of move her foot get get her mobility back uh to a degree while norman is passed out um so she's able to kind of get away and norman's on the floor so we see a bloody norman kind of on the floor as she's running out and then yeah. get this close up. We see his eye open as she's running out. We even get this shot of, um, you know, through the kind of rear view mirror, side mirror of the car, kind of what's happening behind her as she's getting into the car. So we do see like Norman is it kind of jumps on the boat that's attached to the truck that she's getting away in. And it's this whole kind of uh, really great shots and setups that build all this tension. And we get this big chase on the bridge, which also another kind of, Hey, pay attention to this later. Remember when we showed you that you don't get cell service until you're in the middle of the bridge. Um, Conveniently. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, and then, you know, kind of we get into the water and that's this part of the lake is where he drowned Madison. So her body's there and it's this whole kind of thing uh, of finally getting him where she wants him and, and her kind of corpse pulling him, pulling him under. Ghostly revenge, ghostly revenge is so satisfying. I don't know if you saw it. You probably didn't. Um, At the end of the film, when he goes to visit Madison's grave. Yes. Um, when we kind of fade out and we're like seeing all the snow, you can actually see Madison's face in the snow. Ooh. Yeah, before the, the okay. as it fades out, you see her face in the snow. The presence of Madison uh, plays yeah. an enormous role in the yes. movie, a central role in the entire movie. So why wouldn't it be ultimately the last thing you see? That yeah. makes total sense. I like yeah. that. Um. Yeah, it's it's a movie full of little homages to mm-hmm. previous kind of dark human melodrama and things like yeah. that. And I, I I enjoy that about it. And even from Zemeckis, I mean Zemeckis at one point was such a a consistent yet always varied director. Like he he never stuck to just one type of movie. No, he did kind of a little never bit of has everything. Done. Yeah. Um, he was actually I filming think... this while he was waiting for Tom Tom Hanks to lose weight. 
Oh, for Castaway. For the second half of Castaway. So while Tom Hanks was getting skinnied up, he filmed this movie. Okay. Because that also came out in 2000, I believe. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's just, you know, some parts of Zemeckis have been lost, I think, in more recent times. Yeah. I don't really quite know. He's not in the best vein of form. And hasn't been for a while now, I think. Yeah, because he did he that has recent... made and has been involved with. He did that recent Witches remake, which was such a disappointment. It was just not. It was not. Did he good not also all. do the the not the good Pinocchio that Del Toro did the 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 naff one that was the Disney remake? Oh yes. Did yes. he not do that as well? That nobody liked. Went straight yeah. to Disney Plus and everybody yeah, reviled it, it. Not good. Yeah. Um, he's a strange one because he's got some obviously phenomenal movies. Bangers. Yeah. <laughs> always incredibly memorable movies, and I think this should be, you know, put up there with the best of them. Yet there's a. Uh, you you want him to, you want him to make a comeback himself. Yeah, you know, I think he I think he needs he needs a real you know strong movie again. And there's a, there's there's quite a lot of highly successful, highly notable filmmakers of perhaps thirty years ago, twenty five years ago that could do with. A little bit of a um, a real universally loved banger, as you said, yeah. to, to, to bring <laughs> them back. A, 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 a Burton, even dare I say Spielberg, needs yeah. a universally loved... He made good movies in the past few years, Spielberg, okay, in the past ten years, made still made good movies, but where's... But nothing to the whimsy and where's the Spielberg of even twenty five years creativity of those other films? Yeah, no. Where's the where's that gone? And okay, we 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 we've grown older. Perhaps we want to make movies a certain way. But a score says he's kept up. Score says he's kept up, always trying out weird things, and you know. We're getting a new Scorsese. Yeah, we are. Which looks really good. Yeah. Like, it looks way more interesting. And I liked The Irishman, but it looks way more kind of... It it looks way better. Yeah. It just seems like there's so much more interest going on. Oh, yeah. And and just kind of a piece of history that maybe not a lot of people know about. So, you know, putting a, a spotlight on that as well. So, yeah. And you can actually have De Niro being old and not trying to be young, like, <laughs> yes. yeah, which put people off the Irishman. Yeah, it? it was yeah because they're still old, moving like old men. It was a good movie. It was a it was a very good movie. The Irishman. It was it yeah. said what it wanted to say and said it very well. Yeah, and had uh, its its own very very interesting story. But uh, you know he he hasn't stopped so. Why is somebody yeah, like Zemeckis? they can they can they can bring it back and do something kind of fun and mainstream? I hope so. Have the kind of magic and whimsy and even the creativity of this film really leaning into classic film vibes and you know the woman's picture aspects of you know a woman kind of going through a descent and um, is there any the reason pitch? you you put the <laughs> Catherine Hepburn influence <laughs> when you hear that term, especially when it's equated to kind of classic films? I can't help but be like a woman picture no like so dramatical like i'm going to fall on my chaise uh, faint on my chaise kind of energy you know (laughs) it is a little i need my fainting couch no (laughs) oh the terror oh the horror (laughs) like when i I hear woman's picture that's just the energy that comes to mind I don't I don't hate that thought. I don't hate that thought. And I certainly very much enjoyed uh, what lies beneath. Yes. A, well, uh, quick ranking when we end a series. Quick ranking. <sighs> yes. A tough one. 
a tough one. So varied a collection of movies. Yes, Janine. it was. A, it was an interesting mix for sure. Too varied a collection of movies. Do we go off enjoyment or do we go off quality? And this means where does frogs place basically <laughs> do we go off enjoyment or do we go off i'd quality? say it's because your logic in, in suggests logic suggests frogs has to be at the bottom because it's easily the the least the worst, good movie the, yeah but it's also quality. something i just loved it it's so stupid but yes. really actually quite good. So you go by your enjoyment of the films. That's what the world oh, is based on. It's so difficult though, because what comes at, at number one? It's probably one of the middle two that comes at number one. So it's interview with the vampire or the stepfather. stepfather. And I'm basically battling between the middle two and the the outside two. Okay. As, oh, well. as two different <laughs> versions. No, 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 no. Like, the middle two are one and two, and the okay. outside two are three uh, and four. Ah, uh, okay. And I don't know where to place them. Logic suggests Frogs has to be at the bottom, even though it's kind of great, and then this <laughs> probably at three. Okay. And then... Don't know, the stepfather's good, you know. Yeah. It's really good, but probably Stepfather and then Interview with the, the vampire. vampire Number One. Okay, one, that's fair. I, I think, think that's fair ranking. But next month, spooky season is in full More effect. More vampires. Yes, we will be in October. So we are talking vampire movies, not just here, but also on the main show. So, do you, should I share what we're covering? Or well, we can we we can definitely share what we're covering because um, I think, you know, you might think Morgan, you you like horror movies, you must know vampire yeah. movies. Well, here's here's a good list of vampire movies, and look, Morgan last week's movie, seen. Interview with the Vampire, huge vampire movie I have never seen. Yes. Here's another four vampire, very notable vampire movies I've never seen. So yes. perhaps I'm not as well viewed on vampire movies. As you may think. Well, two of these are also Janine hasn't seen. So this is going to be Ooh. fun. Because that's a rare occurrence on this show. But we are going to be doing Near Dark, Salem's Lot, From Dusk Till Dawn, and closing out with The Lost Boys Morgan. Shame. Well, see, it's just such a it's it's just such a big list of four vampire movies, really, isn't yeah. it? Like why have I never seen any of those? Now, I've never seen Near Dark or or Salem's Lot. Like Near Dark has been a movie I've want to, it, I've it, yeah, to watch. Yeah, definitely. I've wanted to see that for a long time. Um, but... Like I can, I can, I can do without the Lost Boys, and I'm sorry, I, I can, I, I'll say this, but because do you know why? Because it, it falls into the category of everybody tells Morgan to watch the Lost Boys, so he doesn't want to watch it. No, it's solid. And I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's very good. Um, but I'm... Uh, I've always... Having never watched either movie, when people bring up the battle of the year between, or like the battle of the... Was it 86 and 87, actually? Lost Boys and Near Dark. They're brought up as a vampire movie battle a lot. Having never seen either movie... I was always team Nia Dark. Oh, just because just it seemed just more out of your alley. Yeah. It seems <laughs> weirder. Okay. Like it's a Western as well. Like it's a vampire yeah. Western. That's unusual. But yes, there is a there there are four very notable vampire notable. movies yeah. that we oh. will be covering on Morgan Hasn't Seen. Uh, throughout October, and of course, vampire movies will be taking charge on It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show as well, getting into slightly older fare yeah. with our vampires as well. Blood fangs and strange accents get, um, yes, the full treatment yeah. on It's a Wonderful Podcast all October. But this has been the Decades of Horror series, a great return 
to this uh, type of series on Morgan Hasn't Seen for this month. I very much enjoyed it, Janine. There was my uh, little ranking of the movies we have covered, the four movies we have covered. But there we go. Morgan Hasn't Seen and It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, subscribe, ding your notification bell on the YouTube channel as well. It's a wonderful podcast on YouTube for all the fun stuff we have uh, and have coming over there. Um, we spoke about the Patreon and the donation links in the description before. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E and the because, Janine. Three is a magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Dawn. All your ghostly stuff is where. <laughs> you can find me, Janine Bean underscore on Twitter. Janine Bean on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. If you want to purchase any merch from any of our shows, you can find that in the description uh, the link is there, or search is a wonderful podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop at g9design.bigcartel.com. Okay, well, there we go, Janine. There is one thing left to do, and I, I think just nobody will be able to see you doing this, but do it with the Harrison Ford point. <laughs> okay. Because it's such, it's, people will be able to feel it. They'll be able to feel my pointing. <laughs> the feel the Harrison Ford point. So distinctive. Yes. Three, two, one. <laughs> he does like a multiple fingers. It's so good. <laughs> bah. 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 Bah.